Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Ladies and gentlemen, begin your banter. We have 10 minutes to astound you with the delightful sounds of Father John and Father Nathan Goble on Catholic Stuff. Why don't you have another mega stuff Oreo while we're at it? Just when you thought double stuff? Just when you thought double stuff, that's enough, that's enough cream. I want more. You know what, people? Today, Ow. you're going to get... Ow. I love it when you eat into the, uh, into the microphone. Today, you're going to get... This is Father John, Father Nathan. Catholic stuff you should know. Olaf is here. Yo. How we doing, Olo? Good. He's watching guard over the equipment. His new nickname today is Hans Olo. <laughs> I think you've had more nicknames than any other companion. You're definitely Chewbacca. Father Mike tried to give himself a nickname. <laughs> Did you hear about this? Was it, uh, uh, what's that Seinfeld episode? Coco the monkey. Yeah, he tried, no, T-Bone. T-Bone. <laughs> he tried to say that. He's like, my new nickname is T-Bone. I was like, nope, it's Coco. Coco the monkey. So Father Mike actually wanted to go by T-Bone? No, he wanted to go by um, Cub Bear. <laughs> what? He bought that hat in North Carolina. Yeah, he's Cub. We could call him the Cub from now on. Well, I, uh, I think we're going we're gonna to have a mega stuff uh, banter oh. here in a second. I know it's too much. It's disproportionate. Too much cream. And not enough F. Look at that. One F? Stoof? Stoof. Mega stoof. <laughs> mega stoof. Mega stoof. You know what we were doing five years ago? We were in Switzerland, probably eating mega kebab in Lucerne. Speaking of mega. Oh, wait. Is today the 26th? Tomorrow is the anniversary, oh. the 30th anniversary of Hans Urs von Balthasar's yes. death. And, and on the 25th anniversary, we were all together in Lucerne. Yes, and it's the 35th anniversary of my baptism. That's crazy. Yep. So, yep. a lot of anniversaries. A lot of anniversaries. That was a very good kebab. Mm-hmm. I'll buy you a kebab. I can't believe that I'm sharing a kebab with the most beautiful girl in the room. Do you remember that one? Is that <laughs> Tenacious D? Yeah. Yeah. You are uh, Jack Black is your spirit animal, I think. Yeah, dude, get away. No, get those not, away. It's Take not those away from us. D, it's Flight of the Concord. Oh, Sorry. okay. Take those away from us, please. Those Take them away. Mega stoof. But the if last ever... time you were eating jalapeno cheddar Cheetos, and this time you're eating mega stuff Oreos. <laughs> this is a uh, true bachelor pad. Olaf is supposed to be working tonight, but we took his computer because mine's broken. I got up to Crested Butte to write this chapter. I get this cabin up in the mountains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two weeks. Only writing. What happens? First morning. Open up the computer. Blue screen of death. Blue screen of death. Was it a blue screen, or uh-huh. was it just it no, just it didn't just, turn on? No typing, no mouse. Apparently, there's a piece that connects that that just decided to break. So I wrote it, old school, on by hand. Sanskrit. I wrote a sixty-page chapter by hand. Oh, papyrus. Th- that's what I did. That's what I did for my thesis. I think it's helpful. Just keep going. What it does is it forces you to write it. Yep. You gotta just write it. You know, you can't just fool around and be like, oh, "Look at the thesaurus." That's the thesaurus voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of mega stuff, you will never call me a thesaurus. <laughs> Sorry. Do you remember just, that? No, <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm laughing at you. Um, I'm yes, laughing, I'm looking at you and I'm laughing. Yep. Because I just can't wait. <laughs> I'm sorry. My mom told me, she said, you better be sympathetic on the podcast today. And I was like, no way. All right, I'm going to really try, but this is just, 
Yep. This is taking it to the next level. I'm in sweatpants, folks. <laughs> it's a sweatpants Monday, and it's not because I am experiencing prenatal symptoms. Um, yes, speaking of broken, because uh, you oh said my gosh. you broke Are you sure you, yeah, you want to be yeah. what? vulnerable? This is a moment of vulnerability. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm hone it in. This is very serious. Mm. And I'm very sorry for you. I wish we had. I wish we had background music where yeah. I could just have like little soft music playing. Where I just say, like a waterfall on the on the eve of Tuesday of the twenty second, twenty second, yeah, something like that, nineteenth, whenever. Um, Father Mike Rapp texted me. It's doing it again. It's stupid. I know. Um, the uh, Father Mike Rapp texted me and said, "Hey, can I borrow that bike in your garage?" And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. Um, just um, just come over and get it. Oh, and since you're coming over, I'll show you the house. So I scurry over to the house um, to, uh, now, to make sure that he sees it before he needs to leave. Because I have a dinner at 5 o'clock with the Christ in the City missionaries. So imagine this is a fairly large campus, St. Joan of Arc Catholic Church, if you've never been there. Right. The church office is on the opposite side of... Like the office on the other side of the church, and the rectory is kind of backyard, yes. backs into the back side of the church. Yes. But there's a long, windy Wayne Manor, Wayne Manor, Schloss Scoble. There's yep. a long, windy. There's an S curve, S curve, and there's, there's a very S-curve. dangerous part yep. of the S curve. Dangerous part of the S curve. Very. Dangerous. I have ridden this scooter for two years, no problems. Andy Weber, my music director. Got me the scooter so that I could go oh, back and did. forth. The that. kids love it. The kids at the ELC, Early Learning Center. If you're interested in an Early Learning Center, please choose us <laughs> over Sophia Montessori. <laughs> <clears throat> he left. Sorry, oh, okay. I can't hear you. Um, yeah, so the kids love it. I enjoy it. It helps me to get back and forth, and I can, I can be at my oh, house. Oh, he's back. Did you hear that? He was slamming Sophia Montessori. What? I didn't slam it. I said choose Early Learning Center. In Arvada, if you're up in Arvada. If you live north of I-70, who south of I-70, but Sophia. Right. There you go. South of I-70, Sophia Don't Montessori. mess with Han Solo. Han Solo. <laughs> All right, continue the story. Anywho, so... Um, well, can we qualify first? The, ra- the scooter is yes. not motorized. This is a Razor. Scooter's not... No, it's not a Razor. Oh. This is a German scooter. Oh. It's a, it's a knockoff brand with bigger wheels. But they're not rubber wheels. They're still like the razor like wheels right so it's just kick powered and um you know i'm I'm cruising down and um you can get going pretty fast on the downhill slope right uh right there because you know which is subtle but important it's it's pretty downhill yeah and i've ridden this thing you mean when you're going into the final turn final turn right the strongest turn and the final turn final turn yep white flag was waved and i was in the final lap and then uh, PR, you they know, are doing. He, Strava, he had this on Strava. I was Stravaing it, yeah. Um, someone AJ, who's the floor guy, who's working on our our house right now because Wayne Manor's under construction. Um, he had parked his trailer right in front of the sidewalk, so I was looking to see whether or not I could get around the trailer, or whether or not I was going to have to brake. But I wasn't making any of these calculations like actually breaking i was just like oh thinking to myself at some point i'll have to break or i'll have to make a decision and as i'm doing that i look 
instead of looking ahead to the trailer, I look down and I'm like inches away from hitting a pine cone. A huge pine cone. Not a huge pine cone, just a very green pine cone. A scary pine cone. I'm going to take a picture of the green pine cone. Oh, it's a green pine cone? Yeah, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a brown one that's like dried out. Yes, I've actually run over pine cones before. I know it sounds awesome, but you know, (laughs) whatever. But this one was green, and I don't know how it fallen. This probably a stupid squirrel, and uh, I hit that thing with my front wheel and went and bit it hard. Bit it hard. Crashed hard. hard. Crashed hard. I certainly. I. I mean, I hit my elbow and my wrist. People keep asking me if I hit my head. I don't know, but I was. I was seeing stars. That was the first time I'd ever that I can recollect seeing stars. And so then the mullet, AJ the comes mullet acted as a helmet though. Shield right. I, my curlies, my curls actually acted as springs and bounced me back up. Anyway, so then AJ comes out and I'm just sort of like walking around staggering like a drunk man and AJ goes, "Father, are you all right?" and I go, "No. I am not okay." And he goes, "You want to sit down?" I was like, that is a good idea. So then he's trying to dust off a chair and I just sit in his trailer. Like he had all of his tools and everything and I just sit down and I'm like, okay, my wrist hurts really bad. Probably broke my wrist. And Father Mike comes around the corner and he sees that I'm bleeding. So he goes and he gets ice um, and bandages, whatever. And uh, AJ gets me some water. I kind of calm down. They're like, maybe it's just sprained. I'm like, no, it's definitely broken, whatever. So then we go to the hospital. Father Mike takes me in. Um, he, uh, they said, you know, insurance, whatever. And then they take me back. Mike can't come. We're both dressed exactly alike, you know, like both in blacks. And uh, the lady, she closes the door and she goes, I need to ask you a couple questions. First off, do you feel safe at home? Oh, wow. I'm like... <laughs> well, you're like, actually... I try. I try so hard. No, I said, yeah, I feel fine. Are you a danger to yourself or others? And I was like, well, <laughs> kind of. So anyways, um, so then, you know, Mike gets to come in the room. They had bead ice, which Did they call him amazing. Cub Bear at this point? I don't know. I was trying to keep things light with they the receptionist. She was just not having it. Carolyn. No. She doesn't like it. No. I knew her name was Carolyn because on the phone I said... Um, I bet it was Caroline. No, it was Caroline. Yeah, but... But she was kind of like, why are you calling me by name? And I'm like, I'm just keeping it real, you know, with my broken arm and my, you know, sweet, awesome, you know, scooter story. <laughs> Anyways, so then I go into the x-ray. My Dago mustache and greasy hair. Can you name that one? <laughs> Burt Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. Now, that was on Jeopardy, I think. Right. Uh, yeah. Saturday Night Live. Go yeah, for. as Burt Reynolds, right? Go for it. Oh, Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. That's where he was. Anyways... Um, so you're in the ER. I'm not going to tell the last time I got an x-ray. Do I have to tell that story? <laughs> no. The backstory? Are you sure? You're already at 11 minutes. I, uh, this is Mega, Mega Stoof. Do you, wait, do you want to hear that? Do, do you remember the other radiology story? The last one? Yeah. So I'll just be quick. Well, the last time I took an x-ray was when I got back from India and I had a really bad chest cough and they sent me in because they were afraid I had tuberculosis. So then... I go in, and the lady says to me, this, like, very mannish, like, Roz from, um, from Monsters, Inc., she goes, remove everything that's metal from your head to your waist. And I go, okay. 
So, um, so then I go back, they give me scrubs and, um, I get led back and I'm like, everything that's metal from your head to your waist. So I'm like, well, my, my zipper's metal. So like, I, I don't know, like maybe there's metal in my pants. I don't know. So anyways, they gave me the scrubs. I got to put them on. So then I, I put on the scrubs and I walk out and I hear this voice say, um, Nathan. And I said, yeah, that's me. And I look over and it is the most beautiful, gorgeous x-ray tech I have ever seen in my life. And she goes, Nathan? I was like, that's me. And she goes, huh, never had anybody take their pants off for a chest x-ray before. (laughs) And I go, just take the picture. I was so embarrassed. Oh, I was going into seminary the next year. That's fine. Anywho, so, you know, this time I'm, I'm ready. I asked the lady, do I need to remove anything? She goes, no, it's fine. Um, and she looks like Roz. She did not look like, you know, the x-ray tech. So, and she, she goes, I need you to extend your arm. And I go, no. And she's like, no, you, you got to extend your arm in order to do it. Because my arm was at a right angle because right. I was just holding it. She grabs my wrist and forcibly mm. extends my arm as I go like this. <laughs> no, no, ma'am. No, 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 no. And then she and then she does it. And then she takes that picture as I'm like whimpering. And then she asks me to turn my arm like from this way, from with my palms up. That's supine. I don't know. And then to like uh, vertical position. And but she was forcibly doing it again, and I just said to her, "Could you just tell me what you want me to do instead of taking my arm and doing it?" And she goes, "Fine, I want you to do this." And I was like, "All right." So I was like, "Take the picture." And then that's when I knew it was broken. So I fractured my radial head of my left arm. Yeah, boring. It's like a band name. Fractured radial head. Radial head. And then we kept making jokes about radio head, and she was like, not funny. Not funny. So six to eight weeks of rehab. Everybody else gets to have a great summer, golfing, biking, doing all this fun stuff. I get to be in a sling and endure tons of questions. And watch Germany beat Sweden. No, I watched Germany lose to Mexico, which is amazing. But that was before I broke my arm. Yeah. But World Cup, it has been a, a consolation. So, anyways, yeah. Now I have this, you know, like very manly sling very that I get manly. to wear for another day or so, and then I have to start testing range of motion. Are you going to be in a cast? No. Six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks until I'm like somewhat recovered, and then it's until rehab. radial radial head is. Well, I go back July 9th to um, uh, so that they can take more X-rays to ensure that the break has not been displaced. Eh. Or else I have to have surgery. That stinks. Yeah. Well, what a trooper. He's here with us. So that's my story. I, oh, th- this, actually, this topic actually relates very well because I, I went back the first day because, thanks be to God, I got a parochial vicar the day after I broke I know, my arm. That's crazy. Anyways. Yeah, you um, haven't conditioned the mullet in a while, you can tell. Yeah, it's, it's tough taking a shower. With one I hand. I know. Like, I just pretty much guess at everything. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how to clean under my <laughs> left armpit. Yeah. So I just sort of, like, blow soap <laughs> into it. 
I kind of lather around the area, and then I go. (laughs) 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 Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, the struggle is real, man. Yeah, so I went back. The the first day that I went back to the parish, I introduced Father Matt Harley, the Prochio Vicar, and uh, it was pretty simple. Like, uh, it was the day after um, they helped me, like, get ready for Mass and everything. Then I went back on Saturday and Sunday to introduce him, and I just kept getting more and more angry right. because more and more people kept doing more and more stupid things. Let's give an example. Don't grab somebody's arm when it's in a sling. Yeah, and the comment, this was at Sunday. This was not what happened on Saturday night. Someone did it on Saturday night, and I kindly told her, please don't touch my arm again. And she was very kind about it. She's a podcast listener. Her name is Mary Glenn. Do you remember Mary? Mary? Do I remember Mary? Yeah, of course course I do. You're not a minivan. That was my favorite line. You remember that with Mary? Oh, yeah. You said, I was preaching at Christmas. When was that? Yeah, one of the other guys. Yeah, it's like uh, you've been driving a minivan for all these years, and now you got a Maserati, and Mary Glenn being the sweetheart that she is, walks up to you afterwards. You're You're not not a minivan. minivan. Yeah, she touched my arm, and I was like, don't do that, please. And she was like, oh, yeah, sorry. But then another lady on Sunday came up and physically shook my left arm and said, oh, my gosh, what did you do? And I go, please don't do that again. And she goes, "What? why? I was like, I have a broken arm. She goes, oh, I thought it was your right arm. I'm like, the arm that's in the sling. So then I just kept getting angrier and angrier, yeah. and then I just wanted to get in and get out. So any, any grace that I was going to merit from enduring suffering, whether physical or you know the social pain of having to have people dote on you, et cetera, I lost because of my angry outbursts, which well, is what our podcast is on today. One last comment Sorry. from one last Mary, which is my favorite, was uh, one of the ladies misheard Mike explaining oh, the story right. the morning after. Yep. And uh, instead of pine cone, she heard python. python. He ran into a python. I ran over a python. A python with his scooter. And it was just like... Which very, would have been a great story. It would have made the story way better. Someone, well, I don't know, a green pine cone that's, you know... We do have podcast listeners with incredible artistic ability. If you want to do a picture of oh, a, here we go. me on a scooter running over a green python. Yeah. Python. Uh, yep. I they, will, I'll send you some. Not native to, you know, Colorado, except in the uh, corner of, what is it... Uh, 58th, 60th, yeah. and... Uh, well, they do like water. Sims, whatever you are. Yep. Okay, to the topic. To the topic. Um, I was at uh, Mundelein Bookstore, and like, oh, I should you know look at books, because I like having them on my shelves and not reading them. But I saw this book, um, which I'd seen on different uh, like pamphlets or whatever, like that it was coming out. This book is called Overcoming Sinful Anger. Ooh. Have you heard about this? No. I you can look at it for a second, but I need, I need to read it for it. quotes. Okay. How it is master, very helpful. How do you master your emotions and bring peace to your life? Oh. Father T.G. Morrow. Um, uh. So uh, it's actually very helpful because it's about, what, 90 pages? Very short, uh, to the point, which is good for people who are angry. Um, and uh, it's got some helpful suggestions in there. So You know what comes to mind as you, speaking of Saturday Night Live earlier, do you remember the Chris Farley episode where they... Sanka. I'm not saying I was thinking sir, of, do you uh, know you're not drinking regular uh, coffee? But is it de- decaffeinated Colombian coffee crystals? <laughs> what? what? 
You lied to me. Lied to me. Yeah. Anger. Yep. Overcoming sinful anger. Do you have a good definition of what anger is? I think we've done anger as a podcast before, right? Have we? So it's okay to be angry? I think we Because it's not Byzantine. I think we And he doesn't get angry. He doesn't angry because he lives on Mount Tabor all day long, every day, for the rest of his life. Please note that in an episode once I asked him, you know, like desolation. He goes, I wouldn't know. I've never felt desolation. Right. And I responded, that's right. You went to Steubenville. That was a really good comeback. You know what? Yeah. Okay. What Do you have a definition for anger? Uh, definition for anger. Um, one of the passions. Okay. Right? One of the seven passions. Yeah. And uh, Like, what is anger? Uh, wait, put me on the spot here. Oh. I don't know if I have a spot. I thought, I thought you were the one that taught it to me. What did I teach you? What did I teach you? <laughs> Give it back to me. Um, I smell I think like it, babies I think a, right now. I, my brother and his... I was around toddlers and babies. Do you ever smell babies. like... Yeah. I like that. I have, no, I don't like it. I have the smell of... You're talking uh, about babies or toddlers? <laughs> babies and toddlers, but... That's different. I have the smell of... Um, what do you have Johnson and Johnson? No. Um, formula. Ooh. Yeah. Spit up. That's what it is. I can smell <laughs> <laughs> It's just like on my. How is that possible? Do you know your friends? What is it, Bill and Megan? Yeah. So they were at mass, and they had it was Bill, Megan, and then their one son, little Bill. Oh, they have two sons. Yeah, they have two sons. But I go, you guys are you guys only have three today? Where's your other one? And Bill kind of looks at me, he goes, he's breastfeeding, and I was like, I had no idea because Megan was wearing this like this like kind of like I don't know frilly yeah. thing, and I just thought, oh, oh that's an interesting outfit. <laughs> And then he's like, he's breastfeeding. I was like, oh, see ya. I just walked away. Okay. Anywho. How did I define anger? Anger. Anger is righteous indignation at a perceived injustice. I don't know if that's Aristotle or Aquinas, or I just made it up. But righteous indignation at a perceived injustice. Right. I always remind people of that in the confessional, because um, you should be righteously indignant at injustices that one should be angry about. Say like say like your toddler was just getting ready to eat, you know, his meal and his brother came up and smacked the I don't know uh puffs out of his hand. It's like why did you do that? There was no need for you to do that. Those are actually mine. Now I'm angry. Have you ever eaten a puff? I tried them. They're yeah. actually surprisingly tasty. Yeah. Yeah. The um Cheetos puffs? No, no, no. No, I know. The little, yeah, the little yeah. puffs. Mm-hmm. I think that's the important part is to say uh, anger is morally neutral because it's a passion, yes. right? So it, there's good anger and there's bad anger. Yes, but it's, and that's why this book itself, is... You can't moralize the passions. You can't moralize anger. But in our culture, anger is bad, right? You should never be angry. You should just yep. be nice all the time. The other tricky thing about anger is I believe in the Aristotelian and Thomistic evaluation, it's the seventh. So there's not a... It doesn't pair with another one. Right? It's an irascible appetite with hope and despair, but it's not actually, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, okay, that's it. I'm kind of brain dead. Too. Yeah, well, it depends on what you're angry about. Because anger, the thumos, like the, the feeling, the energy behind the wrath that springs up when you see injustice, it's always perceived injustice. So, like, say you see someone hit someone, right. and you're like, that's wrong. Right. But then you realize that what that person did beforehand was 
necessi- like necessitated someone taking physical violence against them. Like, you know. I also wonder if in English we we're kind of more limited in our vocabulary around mm-hmm. anger. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I started hearing confessions in Spanish, I was like, "There's like 15 words for anger," mm-hmm. you know. One of them they kept con- confessing was "coraje padre." Tengo mucho coraje, and I was like, "Coraje, courage." What's wrong with that? Yeah. It's not a sin. They were like, oh. so, but yeah, coraje and right. all of them, you know. But in English, it's just kind of gets lulled over. Yeah, Aristotle says this: anybody can become angry. That is easy, but to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way, that is not easy. So um, we're talking about sinful anger. Sinful anger is one that where you're actually staying angry longer than you need to be, um, and the anger is uh, ordered disordered towards revenge. Hmm. This is how one of the first um, chapters uh, defines it. Anger as a deadly sin is a disorderly outburst of emotion connected with the inordinate desire for revenge. It is likely to be accompanied by surliness of heart, by malice aforethought, and above all by the determination to take vengeance. Anger is a desire for revenge, to desire vengeance in order to do evil to someone who should be punished is illicit. So, like, imagine that uh, I smack you in the face, and you're like, that was wrong. Why did you do that? And um, and at first, your anger is aroused because of the first attack of the person that you found to be unjust. But then eight days later, when you're still thinking about it, and you haven't said anything about it, but you're just seething with rage and planning your next attack, now you've you've kind of you are uh, in danger of disordered or sinful anger. Hmm. I think a lot of people uh, don't want to feel angry and feel guilty when they feel angry, but um, but to not feel anger is impossible, right? Even for the Christian, right? Today in the office of readings, we heard about uh, Goliath and David, and Goliath was cursing David by his gods and whatever else. And you could hear the anger in David's voice, which was, I'm going to come over there, and I'm going to give your body as flesh for the birds of the air. Which wasn't like, you know, stop, you're hurting our feelings, whatever. Right, it was like, right. keep talking, big dog. I'm going to come over there, and I'm going to lop off your head. Right. And he was angry. Yeah. And he was angry in the right way. Yeah. But later, you kind of see in Saul and David kind of sinful anger where Saul is continuing to feel anger towards, um, towards David for an injustice that actually wasn't just. It wasn't just for him to feel that. And would you define wrath then as um, like a kind of an expressed and kind of continual, like when we talk about the, the seven deadly sins, wrath mm-hmm. you know, being mm-hmm. one of them, we're talking about just like that, that kind of all-consuming, deepening, you know, impulse to discord, revenge, yeah, uh, inflicting um, an unjust punishment on another. Hmm. Um, so, so the, uh, I'm looking at uh, the uh, what is this? The fifth level of hell in Dante, the ooh, seventh. Yeah, no, fifth. I think is anger. And I wanted to see what the... Because, you know, like the different levels that they describe it in different ways, but I haven't... 
been able to find it. Or that they have different remedies for it. Right. Wrath and sullenness. Sullenness is repressed anger, Mm -hmm. and then wrath is when it's expressed. So that's interesting to think about, that the two, that that both both lead to the destruction when you either um, get consumed by it and inordinately express anger, which Mm -hmm. is a natural passion, or when you inordinately repress it as well, sullenness. You yep. Know? Yeah, actually, that, that's one of them. That's one of the ways in which anger can be expressed um, as, as sinful. Like, there's, there is a surgical strike in which someone who is angry can actually come back at another and meet their uh, aggression with a kind of aggression on their part that neutralizes their... Um, their desire to inflict, you know, harm right. on another. Um, someone who's getting ready to strike someone, and someone reaches up and grabs their hand. Olo's got a story about how. Um, remember that guy who was about ready to punch? I think punch or slap a woman. Yep, and then the and then the cop grabbed his arm. The cop and stopped him. He says, "We'll take it from here, father." Okay, but it was right. It was just for Michael to feel the anger and to come to this woman's defense, it would not have been just for him to continue to pummel this person even after they were unconscious. Yeah, yeah. Um, So a lot of times people will say, you know, I shouldn't be angry, Father. I shouldn't be angry. Well, I have to ask them in confession, what are you, what is the, what is the thing that you're angry about? And they're like, well, my, my child was abused. No, that's actually something you should be angry about. Right. Or like my friend was assaulted by her whatever. Um, yeah, that's something you should be angry about. And you don't just bury that as a Christian. I think the other thing about anger too is um, you don't always, like with the passions, you're not always feeling them in the right way at the right time. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no way you can just be like, I'm going to change the way I live so that I feel angry. It's like, no, you're a, you're a mixed, weak, kind of broken blend of humanity, mm-hmm. which means that you're going to get angry at things you shouldn't get angry at at times, and you're going to act on that or repress that. But I get angry about things all the time. The sin is not the anger. right? The, it's like the anger is, is the, it's like communicating information about the situation. It's, it's morally neutral. So the question becomes, when is it sinful anger? Yes, I think that that can also be dangerous too because it's like, no, I'm completely neutral in this. No, the way in which you express your anger is a moral choice. It is something that you are deciding upon. So then part of what you have to do is say, what am I actually angry about? Right. Instead of just repressing it or kind of allowing everything to make you upset. You know, you got set off by one little thing, now you're angry about everything. It's defining, this is what set me off. This person said this to me, which actually made me feel um, humiliated, upset, um, and it was unjust the way that they handled that. Right. Okay, but then to be able to, to be able to, after that to say, and then you speeding on the road and you taking it out on your kids or your dog or your wife or uh, whoever, that is not just. Right. So now you have made moral choices. And I think 
as I reflect on my own life, a lot of times things come out in different directions. Go on. You don't know anything about this, do you? Anything about it? No. But let's say hypothetically, I was really angry about something else. Yes. And then I all of a sudden turned the gun on one of my friends. True. Like boom. Not Olaf, because he's he's the consolation puppy. But you, I'm just like that's it. And occasionally, as we describe it, I'll just put a bullet in your left thigh, you know, (laughs) just to. I don't want to really hurt you. Just remind you that you know. Yes. So anger, it plays out in different ways. What I was realizing, um, I was preaching about all kinds of things yesterday. It was a bizarre and kind of lame homily, but I was talking about the innate desire to negate. Or I should say, the the temptation to negate desire, to negate passions. Mm-hmm. I was like, we don't just have three hundred marijuana shops show up in Denver overnight for a reason. Right. We yeah. don't just have core power yoga just take over the United States and everybody's doing yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't just have Buddhism just appear and it just becomes kind of the dominant um, philosophical worldview, whether implicitly or explicitly in the West. It happens because we're so tired of feeling. Yeah. And we've so despaired that anything can come from it that we want to negate and suppress mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why just psychosis, pathology, everything's on the rise right now because we're denying humanity and nobody's actually allowing feelings to happen, such as anger. Wasn't, was, it, was it you or was it Larkin at Lord's Day that was talking about the Jesus uh, abrading the disciples in the boat? After he walks on water and he says, "You cowards!" Yeah, that was lurking. And he was angry. Yeah. He was, you know. And then there, in Mark's gospel, in Mark's gospel, there's a part where uh, they they say something to Jesus, and he, in the Greek, it says he snorted like a horse. That's the that's the the word in the Greek. That he snorted like a horse and then told them, like, it's because of the hardness of your Are we going to fact check that on aisle five? I don't know about that. Oh, no, do I'm, it. No, I'm just joking. Embrinestheomai. Embrinestheomai. <laughs> it's in, like, Mark 1 or 2. All Meg, that money. Mega stuff less thigh. Mega stuff Oreo. <laughs> no, um, I, yeah. So Jesus himself felt angry. A passionate man. A passionate, a passionate man, man, right, who felt the full spectrum of his emotions but did not allow his emotions to control him. He controlled his emotions. Um, I, oh, sorry. So the, what you are asking, what are some examples of sinful anger? He gives three, three examples. This is in chapter one, before the introduction, called Recognize Sinful Anger. It's very helpful. He gives three uh, examples, three ways. You might recognize some of them, Father John. The first being... I'm going to pick up his left arm. No, 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 no. No, the, no, no, no. The, 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 yeah. The first, I thought it was your right. I'm so sorry. No, ma'am. The first is one you might recognize not from yourself. It's called passive-aggressive behavior. That's less me, yeah. This is the way the saboteur operates. He is angry but does not show it directly. Instead, he shuts down. He agrees to do something but never does it. Some of the symptoms are resentment and opposition to the demands of others, complaining about feeling underappreciated or cheated, procrastination, stubbornness, inefficiency, memory lapses, sullenness, irritability, and a cynical or hostile attitude. I won't talk to you because I'm unhappy with your behavior. It may be a day or a week or even two weeks before the angry person opens up. Or 10 days. Or 10 days, (laughs) hypothetically. The silent treatment is a symptom of bad communication skills and immaturity. It usually doesn't solve anything. 
Another example of passive-aggressive behavior is to do the things we know will irritate the person who has angered us. Right. So instead of actually dealing with the problem, right. I'm just going to keep poking you right. because you actually really poked me, and I'm going to give you death by a thousand cuts. Hmm. Passive-aggressive like being people, a middle child, is that? That is... Uh, that's active aggressive behavior. Oh, sorry. You know, I just was just trying to understand. Hurling those saying. accusations. <laughs> Passive aggressive people don't actually want to deal with the person who's hurt right. them because they're actually hurt. But instead of acknowledging that they are hurt, they just begin sabotaging, as it said. And they'll do all these other ways to let the other person know, you hurt me without, without directly admitting, we need to get through this. We need to actually work through it. So good. Number so that's, two. That's first passive aggressive. Number two, exploding. We can stop there if you want. Yeah, that's just one. That's thirty three percent, John. Father John, priest Go ahead. of God. The second is exploding with anger. Um, a raging father or mother or child or priest is torture for just about everyone in the family, including the angry one. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart. Uh, this man's religion is vain. James chapter 1, verse 26. Choosing not to strive ardently to overcome hateful outbursts is usually done with full knowledge and deliberate consent of the will, and so well could be a mortal sin. To just be, like, to explode with anger. We know some people that we're always afraid that King Kong's going to come, and then they're going to get it. Okay, so maybe this is a little personal, but... I don't like that all of a sudden we're dropping the mortal sin card when it manifests, because like we were saying, oh, he the says two it, extremes, you know, I mean... He says that in the other one. He did, okay. To live, to live in perpetual resentment right. is, is, is in danger. He doesn't say it is mortally sinful. He's just saying that it's in right. danger of, right. of mortal right. sin. Gotcha. I think that um, either one of them, either one of them are either, like you said, it's either wrath or sullenness. sullenness yeah. And both sap the proper energy that anger uses to deal with injustices. Right. Either it's like everybody's going to listen to me right now because I I have the conch shell and I'm going to scream and yell until people listen to me, or fine, don't listen to me, but you'll regret it, right? Because I'm going to get you, right? So my uh, niece, my three and a half year old niece, is hilarious. She's like. One of the funniest human beings I think I've ever met. She got really funny in the last 10 months. And uh, her line, the ex- she doesn't really explode in anger very often, but every once in a while she just yells, are you freaking me? That's like her new, like, <laughs> are you freaking me? She just yells that like, and I was just like, oh, that's really funny. I'm happy you're stopping there. So, Madeline. <laughs> Number three. Number three, to live in perpetual anger. Another dysfunctional expression of anger is illustrated by those who, filled with bitterness, continually bring up the past sins of others. This, this person did this on the rare occasions. Um, sorry, a wife who intended to leave her husband loaded him down with emails enumerating his failures of the past. This she did on the rare occasions when she did communicate with him. What a sad way to live. It's a classic case of one who constantly brings up old issues Something just about every book on marriage warns against. You made me suffer in the past, so I will make you pay for the rest of your life is the mindset. Uh, from Ephesians. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, and with all malice be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. 
So I think that the message of perpetual anger is I never actually move past anything, and I'm just keeping a log. Right. You've always hurt me. You will continue to hurt me, and I'm not going to let you hurt me. So I'm going to always be on my guard, and when anything does hurt me, I'm going to bring up all the ways in which you've hurt me in the past. Right. I think most who act out of this, it's blind. You're just reacting, you know. Yeah. But it is also or it's a very or it's but it also can be very very uh, effective because it's like I'm holding all the cards right here. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'll drop this card right here on you. Bink. That's right. That one time you did this to me. Yeah. yeah. This here. This here and then pick them back up and then hold them right here, right. you know. Well, so. it's kind of like even if even if you're going to ask me to forgive this one offense, I've got four other ones that are way bigger. It's kind of like in Pokemon or whatever. My brother and I played this game, what's it called, Mashup or something, where like at one point a person can make you forfeit one of your cards by pulling them out. Yeah, fine. I've still got five other cards that I'm going to come at you with. Right. And I lived this in particular. Like I, I've, I've lived every single one of these things on anger, but I have lived with the sort of dossier on every single person and said, mm. you know what? If you ever come at me, I'm going to bury you because I have all this evidence against you. Right. There's a great Sherlock Holmes episode, the one with Benedict Cumberpatch of this guy who blackmails everyone, and he they think that he has it on like a drive, like a file cabinet or whatever, but it's all in his mind. It's all in his mind, and he knows everything that you've done, and he's going to bring it up at just the right time in order to bury you. Mm. as a photographic memory. And I think that the devil enables us to forget certain consolations and certain good things that people have done to us and etch in stone the little cuts, the little, the little uh, whatever, malices, words. Like, people will say, do you remember when you did this to me? It's like, no, I don't. But you remembered it, and it, it got etched in there, and I don't think it was from the Holy Spirit right. that it got etched in there. Right. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, rather convicted by this right now. Right. So, I think that the, uh, yeah, you can see why. So I was talking to somebody last night, um, Megan Mastriani. She spoke at the Steubenville Conference here. She was a Steubenville girl from way back in the day. Ran into her last night at Larkin's Rectory. And we were talking about how um, a number of different things, but, and my brother is working with some different non Catholics as well. And Christianity can sometimes be reduced to this, how do I say it? Um, it's just a feel-good therapeutic experience. Mm-hmm. Opiate. Jesus. It's, an op- it's the opiate of the masses, as Mark said. And so there's no, there's no expiation. There's no blood for your sins. And your sins don't really matter, right? Because God, he loves you, and it's, it's going to be okay. And to try and move somebody to this point to say, no, this is like... This is destroying you, and it's destroying Christ. It's it's kind of difficult to do because it's like, oh, we'll just bury it and be nice, you know. And you can see why we're living in a culture where it's just like, hey, just just can we just bury this and everybody be nice to everybody else, you know? And just and then all of a sudden we turn kids into robots who can't feel. And uh, it's just like, just don't worry about those passions. Don't worry about that. Just medicate, your iPad, now your Apple Watch, whatever it is, and just you know. Just kind of bliss out. I would, this is too hard, you know? This is too hard. Yeah. Conversion. And I would say that 
that's part of the reason why there's such an explosion of sexual sin because so many people are angry and instead of dealing it dealing with it they repress it they instead of dealing with the pain with the drama with the with the need for expiation or sacrifice or forgiveness they say it's too hard i'm just going to bliss out into you know this this candyland scene and it's going to somehow calm my anger right. but it doesn't it just leads to further anger, further sadness, further resentment. And it usually ends up in self-anger, self-judgment. Like, it's, it's amazing the way that the devil turns anger between persons, which can be reconciled and forgiven, into self-anger, self-hatred. Yeah. And now the only person that can forgive me is me, and I hate me. Right. So there's no hope. And a lot of times, you know... If you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I'm not angry, so I'm fine, that's fine, go do your thing. But if you are, if you struggle with anger and you're hearing this and you're convicted but also frustrated with yourself, like I am right now, I think that uh, angry people are passionate people and they're people who love. They feel things deeply. And some people just feel things deeply and some don't, and that's fine. But uh, this is a beautiful metanoia to be able to go through, the purification and the proper ordering of anger. Because the people who feel this are people who can actually feel. And there's not a lot of that left. Yes. Also, part of it, too, is learning to deal with what you are angry about as opposed to using those three tactics of perpetual anger, passive-aggressive behavior, or outbursts to kind of say, um, I, this is the way in which I've dealt with these things in the past. Now, as Christians, we need to find a different way forward. Right. We need to find a different way of processing our anger and uh, allowing ourselves to, to move past it. Right. Um, I'm not going to go into everything that this guy says, um, because I, it, the book is so short. I, I just want to read one more thing. Um, the book is so short, you can literally read it. I went to the coffee shop twice and pretty much finished the entire book. So um, I just want to read this last story. This is a Cherokee legend, so LeJoie would love this, okay? Um, It is as if there are two wolves inside of me. One is good and does no harm. He lives in harmony with all around him and does not take offense when no offense was intended. He will fight only when it is right to do so and in the right way. But the other wolf, ah, he is full of anger. The littlest thing will send him into a fit of temper. He fights everyone all the time for no reason. He cannot think because his anger and hate are so great. Sometimes it is hard to live with these two wolves inside of me, for both of them try to dominate my spirit. The boy looked intently into the chief's eyes and asked, Which one wins? And the chief smiled and quietly said, The one I feed. So yeah, you can check it out. Anyway, so... What, what would I say, just from, just from a Catholic stuff perspective, not just from the book? I think there's a reason why, for centuries, we had crucifixes in the home. There is injustice in the world, and injustice in the world actually leads to anger. But anger, in and of itself, did not rectify the situation of man's fall from grace. Christ did not accomplish the passion through anger. He accomplished it through powerlessness and love. Hmm. And sometimes when you deal with people 
who have really inflicted harm on you, you have to say, I'm powerless. I'm powerless, and God has to bring something else out of this. You want to be able to say to them, I want to rub their face in it. I want to hold this over them forever. I want them to be punished. And, and today, I mean, even in the gospel, the measure which, which you measure will be measured out to you. And Jesus is inviting us as Christians to forgive, not to forgive and forget. There's a great uh, uh, quote in there um, about how do you love somebody that you don't want to actually be reconciled with? Like, how do you forgive somebody that you're not just going to say, welcome back into my life? And that's true. As Christians, we need to forgive, but sometimes reconciliation will be difficult. It will be difficult to just, you know, reestablish relationships back in their life. But through Christ, these things are possible. Amen. Very good. Any, any thoughts on how do you deal with anger? Well, I'm kind of an angry person. I don't know if you knew that. We are. Yeah. Well, I think that, uh, yeah, you have a lot of thoughts on this. First off, it's just raise your children to feel. Yeah. One thought I had, I love this, Sarah Sophia, who does listen to the podcast. She doesn't tell her kids, you're okay, when, like, when they start feeling. You're okay, you're okay, you're okay. Mm. She doesn't do that because she says, you're not okay. What are you feeling? Why are you angry? Articulate, Why are you sad? Right. She's teaching them how to have emotional exactly. intelligence. Yep. So don't tell your kids they're okay. Don't suppress their, their... You're fine. You're fine. You're okay. You're fine. No, no, no. Talk about it. What are you feeling right now? Because what we're going to try and do is help you to acknowledge it. And if you can relate that through to the Lord, then eventually you'll, you'll get to a place where virtue can really form and really deepen. I think that the, uh, everything comes back to self-knowledge in the Christian life, right? And we live in self-deception. I was praying with the gospel this morning. What's the beam in your, my eye? My eye. I'm pointing mm. the book at you, right? And uh, it was self... This was the word that came. It was your self-deception in your own perception of things. Mm. Going full circle back to the beginning of this, perceived injustice. Yes, right. There's a great humble act that happens in prayer that we're permitted to receive in prayer. I think it's a grace that comes to humbly acknowledge that our perceptions are not actually what we think they are. Yeah. But that only comes, I think, with prayer. Otherwise, we just kind of blow through life thinking we know, at least I do, thinking I'm seeing things as they are, this is what it is, I need to do this, this, and this. And it's like, you know, when you, when you actually sit in front of the Christian claim and you start to receive from Christ, you start to realize, you know, what was it like when Mary felt anger? What did that look like? Mm-hmm. Or when Jesus is snorting like an ox or whatever you said. Um, Then all of a sudden the mystery of how the passions are perfected in the Holy Spirit, in the life of grace, then that becomes something that's that's very exciting. But without that, it just we just try and manage our emotions and Mm -hmm. fit to whatever status quo the culture is telling us to do. So be human, be passionate, but don't be sinful in the anger, you know? Learn how to how to temper it, how to channel it as love, I think. Yeah. And I think prayer is God's knowledge revealed to you about you. Like uh, God is revealing to you what he thinks about you and your situation or whatever. But also I think talking to other persons, people that you love, people that you care for, people in your own family, people in your own, hopefully like, you know, small groups or whatever. Um, that in some ways I acknowledge I'm blind to this. 
I'm blind. Sometimes I'm blinded by my own anger, and I have to relate the situation to other people for them to say, that's really what you were angry about? And I'm like, yeah, it does sound kind of stupid right now. But I was actually angry. And uh, I don't... And it's hard, especially when people are in marriages where there's anger or parents where there's anger, and they can't actually process that with them, which is why, um, you know, when I was a kid, I went to my home ec teacher. Like, I would just process things with her after school if I had a really bad day and just say, this is what happened. And she, she wasn't just, like, saying... Uh, it's okay, or it is what it is, which go back to the podcast on it is what it is to hear my thoughts on that. Rather, she was like, that sounds really hard. And I'm sorry that you had to deal with that. And what are you going to do going forward? And it's like, sometimes that's all you need is somebody else to say, uh, I, what I hear you saying is that you were hurt. That must be difficult. You know, I also would counsel for those of you who are intense and passionate and feel things deeply vigorous exercise. Mm. Garonsky always told me True. that. He said, you need, you need rigorous exercise. And I tell you what, I feel like I process most of life and a lot of anger on a road bike. Yeah. Climb up a mountain. Now not everybody can do that right now. Actually, I was really angry a couple weeks ago, and when I get out on that boat, yeah. I had my boat for CC. You can check out a picture of me fishing happily on my boat before I broke my arm. It was it melted away. Yeah. Because I was like, actually, I'm not that upset about it. You have to we're body and soul. Yeah, you can't you just bliss out. We're not just angels, right? You gotta do stuff physically. And I think other people are really important. I think God wants to use that to say, Hey, what do you think about this? And I the more that uh, I don't know, the older I get, the harder it is to ask for counsel. I don't know why that happens. We stop asking people. I guess we're supposed to know everything. We're supposed to be competent by this point in our life. Yeah. But just to say, hey, man, I don't know what to do. And we, we yeah. do that a lot. I don't know what to say. I'm no, I don't know what to do in this situation. What should I do? You know, That's a great thing to do. Um, so, yeah, prayer, the counsel of, friendsh- of friendship and, and family, and then get out, get on the boat, get on the bike, right. work it out. Because life is difficult, and the cross is always there, but sometimes it takes a little while for it to reveal itself. You don't always see it. You're lost. But to live in reaction is to live as a slave. If you're just reacting constantly, because all three of those people, passive aggressive, the explosion, and then the just kind of continual perpetual anger, perpetual, yeah. you're just you're living in reaction, mm-hmm. and you can never love if you're living in reaction. Yeah, the wolf that will control you is the one that you feed, yeah. and if you are continually feeding resentment, bitterness, rage, vengeance, I mean, you will never find peace. You know, um, so, anyways, right. I found the book very helpful. Good. Thank you, Father Morrow, for writing that. Um, if people have other suggestions on books on anger, um, there were a few parts that I was just like, yeah, not going to happen. Um, but I mean, I think it was a great attempt and, um, yeah, check it out. Good. Awesome. Shout outs. Shoot eats. Shout out to AJ again. I wish I knew your last name and, or your, (laughs) uh, you know, name of your business, but he's the floor guy in Denver. Um, he has a great idea for an app. Uh, so if there's anybody out there that designs apps, um, he's got a really good one. So if you want me to put you in contact with AJ, I can. Um, so. I uh, ran. I was up in Gunnison this weekend, met some podcast listeners. And uh, one of them was Grant's parents. 
Grant, the new Belgium chemist who moved out. And I said, your son is the, I think, the only, or certainly the first podcast shout-out that I totally got the wrong name. Yep. It's completely... One of many. One of many. Completely the wrong name. So some good people up at Gunnison listening. Uh, Maggie Becker, I saw her yesterday. Her and her sister are listening. They're from my college kids this last spring. Yeah. And uh, I said that only one Lisa listens, but that's not true. I was corrected yesterday. So Maggie. And then lastly, I asked my dad... Who should I uh, give a shout out to t- today? I said, a dad, we were yeah. having dinner tonight. I said, we're going to podcast. Uh-huh. Who should we shout out? And he goes, I want you to shout out these two handsome devils, Dr. Tim Pinnock and myself. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Tim Pinnock. All right. So, uh, congratulations. Tim, Tim, you're now a doctor. He goes, make sure you shout out those two great guys I told you about. So, All right. he was getting tired. He had outpatient therapy today, so he was tired, but. Those two. Speaking of doctors, I do want us to give a shout out to Doctor Loda Samir Loda, um, which I almost sang to him Yoda by um, uh, Weird Al Yankovic. Why Yoda Yoda? What does he say? Well, I'm not dumb, but I can't understand how he can lift up my speeder just by raising his hand. His name is Yoda. Why Yoda? So his name's Doctor Loda. But Dr. Loda, his wife is from Effingham, Illinois. Effingham. Effingham, Illinois. And I was like, is she Catholic? And he's like, yep. So I wonder if she listens. So if anybody knows Dr. Samir Loda's wife from Effingham, because uh, she's, I mean, like, she's living in Colorado now. He's an orthopedic specialist specializing in radial breaks. Um, Perfect. Anyways, um, let's try to get her to listen because I'm going to try to make. Dr. Samir Loda Catholic. All right. There it is, the challenge. All right. Well, folks. you did a great job. One-armed wonder over there. One-armed wonder. It's time for ice cream and more pain pills. CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> like us on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram. Some people work really hard on that. And find great pictures of me in front of Urgent Cares. That's it. We'll see you next week. Ciao, ciao.